Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Women Rise podcast. My name is Rebecca Shambaugh, leadership expert, author, speaker, and CEO founder of Women in Leadership and Learning, one of the first coaching and development programs in the country to help women reach their fullest potential. My firm also focuses on helping organizations to achieve that greater gender balance and inclusion as well to really give women that lift that they so deserve. I'm also the author of It's Not a Glass Ceiling, It's a Sticky Floor, published by McGraw-Hill, that helps women to truly, truly lean into their best leadership. The Moon and Rise podcast focuses on real issues, real opportunities, and real solutions for you to step into your greatness as a leader and so much more. We focus on critical traits that embody what it means to be an intentional and successful leader in today's new and dynamic world. The Women Rise podcast features exclusive interviews with some of the world's most inspiring business leaders, influencers, entrepreneurs, and visionaries from all walks of life. Today, I am excited to let you know that I am joined by my dear colleague, Caroline Feeney, who wears many hats, many significant roles, of which one is she is currently the CEO of U.S. Insurance and Retirement Businesses for Prudential Financial, Inc. Prior to her current role, Caroline was the CEO of Individual Solutions, and prior to that was president of Prudential Individual Life Insurance and Prudential Advisories. So Caroline has definitely had an outstanding career trajectory, and I'm sure we can learn more about her journey as we engage in this thoughtful conversation with Caroline on leadership. Caroline also is involved in, in many other areas within Prudential and outside of the organization to further the elevation and advancement of women leaders and executives. For example, she's on the National Association for Female Women Executives, serves on the Executive Roundtable, and also is on the board of the Alliance for Lifetime Income. What is wonderful about Caroline and her dedication to women leaders is she is the executive sponsor of Women Empowered, Prudential's employee-focused business resource group. Caroline also notable is a member of Fortune's Most Powerful Women and has been recognized by Working Mother Magazine as Prudential's Working Mother of the Year, by Executive Women of New Jersey as Prudential's Policymaker, and she's also recipient of the Women of Excellence P&L Award from the National Association of female executives. Caroline, you have been busy. Welcome to the Women Rise podcast. It's great to have you here. Uh, thank you so much, Rebecca. I'm so pleased to be able to join you. So this is really exploring a lot of different spheres of leadership and leadership, as you know, is so critical given this snapshot in time post-COVID and you know, a lot of things changing, a lot of things are dynamic. And so what I would love to focus on, you know, particularly in this conversation, is an area I know that's dear and near to your heart is around women in leadership, women executives, both within the organizations and in the marketplace. So let's get started. Now, as a strong advocate of growing the number of women executive roles within corporate America, including across the Prudential ecosystem, what do you believe executive leaders need to do to strengthen the pipeline of women leaders into you know, higher levels of positions? I know co corporations have spent millions of dollars and hours and time in this for, we don't want to talk about how long it's been, but it's been decades, right? So how are we going to crack this nutshell? What's your advice? Yeah, so Rebecca, very important question. And you're right, we've spent so much time on it. So how do we finally make sure we're moving the needle and make an impact? And 
I really do think that companies just need to make a concerted effort to put the formal programs in place for women that not only identify specific gaps, um, but also create the action plans to fill those gaps. And specifically, when we talk about what's necessary um, to motivate and empower women, I think giving them the training and the tools they need is, is absolutely critical, Becky. Um, and also not being afraid of giving them challenging assignments, even when someone may not have checked off every single box in terms of a traditional career path. Um, I'm, for example, I'm a perfect example of that one. Um, I have a very deep distribution and, and sales background, um, but I did not spend years on the financial side as a CFO or as an actuary. Um, and obviously had the opportunity to take over um, some of the most important PL roles within Prudential without that background. I had that support. So um, it's actually often also said, Rebecca, that some of the, the fastest tracks to the most senior roles um, within respective companies is, in fact, the step of running a PL first. Um, but I, I found that that pipeline. Uh, towards that responsibility may not always be as clear cut for women as it is for men. So we need to be deliberate about finding the opportunities for women who show potential and offer them the stretch assignments, even when their current role or experience may not be an exact match. I also believe that sponsorship and advocacy are really important. So one of the things that I'm very proactive on is trying to identify high potential talent, women who I believe can take on those very challenging assignments within the company or take on high visibility um, assignments or work. And then finally, um, Rebecca, what I've always felt is including men in the conversation is also critical um, because there are so many men that are already in those uh, senior roles who can and really should act as, as sponsors. And, and by that, I mean people at these senior levels actively um, seeking out, actively working with and supporting our future female leaders through their words, um, but most importantly, through their actions. And, and I've always said women cannot, uh, nor should they be thinking about or, or doing this alone. Um, and, then, and then Rebecca, I'd also add, I, I speak to many audiences as you do, I know, inside and, and outside of Prudential about the recipients or the, the would-be recipients of this type of active support. And I believe that it's also important they play a role in finding sponsors for themselves. In other words, they have responsibility as well. Um, and in general, I do see men doing more of this and advocating for themselves. So I do believe that taking on roles with increased responsibilities can sometimes be daunting but with the right environment, with the right support and confidence, it, it can be done. And um, I certainly, I think we both can agree that, that women have the talent um, to be extremely um, successful. It's one of our most undertapped um, resources and talents within companies. And if I can talk about for Prudential for, for a moment, um, Rebecca, at our senior executive and leadership ranks, we like other companies have work to do but um, I can say that we very much live the philosophy of fostering talent and, and provide, promoting diversity. Um, for example, now our long-term equity awards of all of our executives are connected to the achievement of diversity goals. So in other words, we're literally putting our money where our mouth is and, and doing what we can to enact real change. 
uh, because it can't just be lip service, right? It's got to be real. It's got to be um, a meaningful effort to be able to move the needle. You know, thank you for that, Caroline. I, I think it's 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 practical. It's intentional, and and I think you, you it's almost like we need to be prescriptive. You, you know, I think there's. There's one thing we talk about with a lot of our clients around having the metrics and you have this one woman or African-American all of a sudden that changes their representation. Okay, we're done, right? But I think what we've seen, and I love your comments on that, is we tend to tap on those, that diversity of talent or women that's ready now. And we don't look back further into the pipeline, those, you know, those early years yes. where we see potentially early high potentials coming up. And we're seeing a lot of churn right now in that pipeline area after three to five, eight years. And so we were talking to a client last week and they're moving beyond ready now. They're looking at those aspirational up and coming leaders who are emerging leaders. And so talk to me about, talk to us about that because I think that's a lost opportunity and where we're seeing so much of the churn and challenge right now. Yes, um, I, I agree. That is exactly, Rebecca, where the churn and the challenge is. And I think it, it is one thing to get somebody who's ready now and, and you can move them in a role. It's an entirely um, different prospect and actually takes a lot more work. And to your point, you have to have that precision. And, and to my earlier comments, it has to be deliberate in terms of the action items and really be able to identify that high potential talent and be able to understand where they want to go with their careers and then be able to very explicitly identify those gaps, build the development opportunities to fill those gaps so that when they um, do find a potential opportunity open in the area in which they desire to move their career, they're ready. Um, and then I think it's more than that too. I spoke about stretch assignments um, and, and I, I think it's about making sure you fill the gaps and you get them ready for those future roles but also then surrounding them and making sure they have the support once they are in those more challenging stretch assignments to make sure that, that they have the support to succeed in that role. I think that's very important as well. Yeah, I'm hearing it, you know, it's just like anything, if you're either a marathon runner or you're trying to get it, you know, just achieve something, another skill, it's not so much the goal, but it's the process of how we get there, right? That really creates that more sustainability and, and that learning culture where everyone is growing and developing and they see their role for that. So I, and, and I'd love to kind of build upon that and through this second question, let's talk about the role and the opportunity for women. There's been major disruption, a lot of challenge. And some people would say that it's the doom and gloom for a lot of women. It's just challenging really for them to really sustain this over the long term. And it's been a rough op, you know, opportunity and challenge for men and women both to tackle work and family. And we're seeing a lot of folks this really thinking through whether this is really something I can sustain over the long term. Yet, however, when you have disruption, to me, it's a time for renewal, to reset, uh, and to really re-examine our leadership. And so I pose this question for you, but also for women who are listeners. You know, I think sometimes we have more power than we think we do, more influence than we think we do. And so during this snapshot of time, when organizations are resetting, really rethinking their cultures, and they're making taking deliberate action like potential, what can women do to influence the change that we need to see around gender balance, around equity for women? Yeah, so so a couple of thoughts, um, Rebecca. First of all, I think we've all found, we, you know, obviously during times of disruption, extraordinary disruption like we find ourselves in right now, um, I, I think people tend to take a step back. I think people tend to look within themselves and, and to view things through a different lens and really evaluate 
where they are and where they're headed. Um, and, and I think that's happening today. And certainly I'll talk about it from a corporate America perspective. I believe that people are looking at the types of leaders and, and individuals and leadership traits that they want to lead them through these challenging times. And, and what I believe that we're finding is certainly many of those leadership attributes that have been identified are very often associated with the leadership traits that women inherently possess. And I think that's really important in terms of improving uh, the opportunity for women going forward. Um, one of the things that I would say for women specifically, I think there is a unique opportunity for women to give back. Um, I spoke earlier about um, reaching my, my interest, my passion about reaching out to women and trying to pull them forward and, and coaching individuals um, to try to mentor and sponsor those individuals. I think that's really important. Um, uh, sponsors, as you, as you know, Rebecca, you know, are actively those that are, are seeking out opportunities for others. They put their names forward um, to, to sponsor individuals to lead new projects or take on those new roles. And, and certainly I wouldn't be where I am today without sponsors, so I, I do view it is my responsibility to pay it forward. And I, I do find more and more women leaning in to do exactly that. There's one other um, point that I think is an important one. There's so much research um, that does point um, to a confidence gap, a real confidence gap that does exist with women and doesn't seem to matter how senior they go within their respective um, industries or, or careers. And I think making I'm sure that, that people are where they're not alone with that and, and making sure that there's an awareness. And so one of the things that, that we actually um, did was we, we produced about nearly 50 videos of women leaders across Prudential um, who shared their, their very personal stories about a time when they were less confident. They were unsure of themselves. They doubted themselves. And Rebecca, this actually came out of a conversation from our business resource group, from Women Empowered, that you mentioned in the introduction, where I was having a fireside chat with two of our female board members, and they made themselves very vulnerable, and they shared experiences and times when they were um, less sure of themselves, and, and that really inspired and got a lot of people's attention, and that resulted in this Dare to Lead video um, series. And I, I think I think that's I think that was a, a real step forward for women understanding other women are there. They're supporting one another. Um, they've had similar experiences. They've questioned one another. Um, and then the, the other thing that I would say is if we've we've seen um, not the opportunities and silver linings of the pandemic, but to flip it for a moment, the the decisions that I've seen too many women make, and Rebecca, you've seen where they've decided to make a permanent decision by potentially derailing from their career based on what we see as a, a temporary situation. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is make sure that within our company, um, we were having formal and informal conversations to understand where are women on? What are some of their unique challenges and, and concerns? And so we fostered these conversations and I, I do know that, that I personally actually spoke to the senior most leaders of our organization to make sure that if what came out of that was our need to make policy decisions, change some of our um, procedures and practices, we had their full support. And so the women that were having these conversations with knew that and knew they were being heard. And I think that's so important. And we've actually continued these conversations uh, because it's been so helpful for the women to know that they have a forum 
to share, to have exchanges, to support one another. So those are those are a few things that I see. But but um, being on the on the optimistic side and on the silver lining side, I do think that um, many companies have put changes in place um, that will be able to support more women as they work through balancing demanding careers and everything that they may be managing on a personal side. And I hope that that will position women in a way to have more support to be able to advance um, even more successfully in their respective careers. Right. And I, I echo what you're observing here. I think there is a shift. I think our hope is that it continues to sustain, but how women can really champion that and bring that shift along. But let me just explore something with you too, because I, this whole sort of uh, phenomena around the sticky floors is that our thinking makes it so, right? And sometimes our internal thoughts, that narrative in our head can hold us back from reaching our fullest potential. So Shambaugh did some research probably 18 years ago. And while we looked at general leadership, men and women, men would surpass women in the pipeline uh, five or six years, you know, into the pipeline career path um, because women were talking themselves out opportunities. They wouldn't ask for things that they wanted to need. They didn't really, they took a pass on building relationships or they, you know what, they just didn't think they could versus yes, I can. And, and so we've heard this a long time. And so I, I would imagine that like, like myself, I, I, one of my sticky floors is I am a recovering perfectionist, right? Everything has to be perfect. Well, I moved beyond that, thank God. But you know, what, what, what do you share with women? To, because they can be their own, we can be our own worst enemy. I mean, organizations have sticky floors, human beings have sticky floors. Yes. I think this is part of the calculus here so what advice do you have for women to move beyond that one sticky floor that could be holding them back? Yes. Um, so I'm going to borrow that one, uh, Rebecca, recovering uh, perfectionist. I, I, I like that one. And, and I do think sometimes um, we can be that voice in our heads that say, I'm not ready for that next opportunity or that's too big for me. And I think we see that play out in so many ways. Um, we see it play out um, where we'll see men um, post for roles or lean into opportunities where they might only fulfill 60% uh, of the job requirements, yet we see women not lean into those roles, not even put their hat in, in the ring if they don't fulfill 95% of, of all of the requirements. And so one of the things that we've been trying to be very deliberate about in, in recognizing top talent is actually tapping people on the shoulders to say, there is this great opportunity and we believe that you're ready for this opportunity and you should put your hat in the ring. And I, I think sometimes it's that very purposeful, deliberate step that will have women take a step back and say, maybe I should ignore that voice in my head because maybe I might not feel I'm ready, but perhaps if somebody is taking the time to tap me on the shoulder, it's because they actually see something in me that I might not yet see in myself. And, and so I think that is a, a great example of things that we could all be doing in, in reassuring talent when you see something and you see that potential in that individual and they just need to, to, to take that stretch. I call it jumping into the proverbial cold pond, right? Mm -hmm. Jumping in and what's the worst possible thing that can, can happen and really playing that out in your mind. And sometimes I find that silences that that voice in your head that says maybe you're not ready for this or maybe you can't do it. So I, examining those narratives and asking ourselves, maybe they were for us in the past, but they may not anymore. You know, I one of my sort of sort of I look back. I didn't my career path in corporate America, but I one of the things I really did believe in is surrounding myself with people like you 
um, who were more senior than me. I always thought that everybody was more smart than me, but I always believed that that was a part of my DNA. And But I, I stretched myself and I surrounded myself with people that I learned later had a broader vision of myself than I did and could see those hidden strengths. And not only sort of amplified those for me, but really sort of looked at from a lens perspective, where could I really, you know, sort of channel those strengths and areas and pathways that I didn't know. And so that we as leaders need to have that mindset or that role of helping folks to really see that because that could be a turning point in, in many respects and not only in their career, but their life. Right. And so that's fantastic. The, the last, the last question here, you, you know, is kind of builds upon our conversation, Caroline, but listen, COVID has just hit folks in so many ways and impacted work environments, cultures, work structures. And, and definitely you read about it, you hear about it, you observe it, that the whole gender disparity, it just becomes even more prevalent and visible. And, and I believe there was, this is, there was more of that, just as much more coming into COVID as there is now. But um, what can we do to move forward to, you know, to really progress during these challenging times? Um, whether it's just in, in the environment, the culture, work structures, um, so we don't lose that 50% of our talent, you, you know, yes. in the meantime. Yeah, so, so I mean, this is a very real concern, and, and we, we spoke about it just briefly before, but, but the numbers are alarming. And, you know, work, Working Mother Research um, did some comparisons, actually, of, of women um, to men and found that 30%, 34%, excuse me, um, of men with children at home had received a promotion during COVID, while only 9% of women could stay the same. Um, and about 26% of men received a pay raise while working at home, compared to 15% of women. Um, McKinsey and Diversity um, Best Practices found female jobs are 19% um, more at risk than male ones. And uh, for me personally, what was absolutely most staggering was when we saw almost 900,000 women um, over the age of 20 leaving the workforce in September. Um, and that was four times greater um, than the number for men. And that's, that's what actually caused me to lean in and say, let me look at the numbers internally. And so I think um, as, as leaders, we actually need to pay attention to those statistics that are so alarming. Look in our own house and say, what are we seeing? And it was interesting, actually, we weren't seeing that same exodus. Um, but it didn't mean necessarily that women were um, managing it all and feeling absolutely great about the situation that they found themselves in. And so that was actually what, what launched the need for us to have these, or the desire for us to have these, these formal and informal dialogues. And, and sure enough, we found exactly that not everybody was okay, right? They're challenged, they're stretched. And, and, and they do want to know that we're um, thinking outside the box and thinking differently about the work environment. Um, so I would say that many companies, Prudential being one of them, um, do not plan to return to the workplace in the same way that our workplace existed prior to the pandemic. Um, we will come back to a very different workplace environment. For us, it's gonna be um, largely, I'll call a hybrid work environment. And so we will have to make sure that the lessons that we learned during the pandemic about making sure that everybody is included, right? You don't have people in the office sitting around a board table and others coming into the meeting virtually. Um, you had everybody virtually. And so it was a great um, democratization, right? It eliminated a lot of the hierarchy. It made 
um, leaders seem more approachable than ever before, you know, because you've got the dog barking or the kids running in past, you know, the, the camera. And, and I think that was a very interesting dynamic. So it will be incumbent upon companies to ensure that when we do return to the workplace, for those that choose to work remotely some days or full-time and others that choose to come into the workplace, that, that we have this connection. We're leveraging technology. We're leveraging the best practices that we, we used. And as I mentioned before, making sure that's all supported by more flexible policies and, and um, procedures, especially from a human resource perspective and, and supporting associates at all levels. You're, I think you're, what I heard is here, what got us here is not gonna get us there. And so exactly. companies need to wake up and disrupt those old traditional practices and sort of align with the new normal, right? And, and, and lead, lead the industry in it and talk about it, share best practices. But I think that flexible work environment, that remote inclusion, right? Getting a, and to do that is designing those practices around the conversations and the listening tours that you're having with your employees, right? Versus just assuming we need to assess. Right. Exactly. Caroline, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We could talk so much more on this. Maybe you'll come back and and um, hopefully in several months, and we'll be able to say we've made, we've moved the needle in some of these areas. So yeah, I would love to do that. Thank Great. You. And thank you to our listeners of the Women Rise podcast. I hope you will join other Women Rise podcasts where we feature exclusive interviews with some of the world's most inspiring leaders, entrepreneurs, influencers, and visionaries from all walks of life. I hope you will join other Women Rise podcasts. You can subscribe now. Invite your friends by going to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation. I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can reach me at Becky Shambaugh on Instagram or Becky Shambaugh on Twitter uh, or at hashtag Women Rise. Or you can go to shambaughleadership.com backslash Women Rise and connect with us there. We look forward to having you join and be a part of the Women Rise community.